And Jesus said to his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. One of the benefits of being a guest preacher in the Episcopal world is that around the church, we have been hearing, experiencing, and living out the same gospel stories week by week. We have journeyed together as communities of faith around the church through the gospel of Mark, wrestling with the question of identity. Who are we as individuals, as gathered community? Who are we when we follow Jesus? What does it mean to be his disciples? What does it look like? Today, in the eighth chapter of Mark, we have reached the pinnacle of this gospel story where Jesus begins the ultimate identity conversation. The question at hand now is, who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus? And by extension, who is God? Jesus asking Peter, who do you say that I am, is a pointing to the central theme of the Gospel of Mark. And as I said before, Mark's Gospel is one about identity. What does it mean to have faith in God, in Jesus? And how do we respond to this faith in and with our own lives? This question who do you say that I am comes after a series of miracles and misunderstandings, even after healing the sick, restoring sight to the blind, feeding the hungry and more, many of Jesus' followers just don't get it. Yet, for an instance, we have Peter who proclaims, you are the Messiah, yes, yes, the Messiah, the one who will come to redeem Israel, foretold by the prophets, the anointed one, powerful, mighty, enthroned in God's glory. Wait a minute, though. The Messiah must be handed over to great suffering, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again? That doesn't make any sense. This is not what was pr promised, I hear in Peter's rebuke. Jesus responds to him, get behind me, Satan. I'm not sure of a clearer bolder response from Jesus to one of his own disciples in the gospel. Get behind me, Satan. Satan, adversary of God, tempter, stumbling block on the path to salvation. You have not set your mind on divine things. 
God's way is not our way, but it can be. Where power, strength, and domination might be desired, God is selfless in service and in sacrifice. Jesus' response to Peter in this gospel passage comes from his knowledge of the truth that in order to redeem his people and, of course, the whole world, he must make the ultimate sacrifice by giving himself up completely to suffering and death so that suffering and death would be defeated in the triumph of God. As a community of Christians who also happen to be New Yorkers, I believe that we are no strangers to suffering and death around us in many scales and forms, both personal and communal. We continue to endure a pandemic that has altered and changed the lives of many. And just yesterday, we observed the 20th anniversary of 9-11, mourning and remembering those who died here in this place and around the world as a result. And today, no doubt you have witnessed the hungry, the poor, the sick on these streets and read in the headlines, I'm sure, of another tragedy. Suffering in one form of an, or another and death are unfortunately a part of the human condition. Yet what we are promised through Christ, through God on the cross, is witness, solidarity and communion in the troubles and trials that come our way on this earth and after death in the life of the world to come. This is the entire hope of the gospel, that God with us, Jesus, God with us, is with us in our own times of need and holds us in grace and love as we also seek to serve those who are suffering in the world around us because God himself suffered and died as we do. In my mind, Peter's rejection of Christ on the cross is a testament to the ways we might will suffering away through ignorance. If we reject the notion of God suffering in solidarity with humanity upon the cross, well, perhaps there is nothing to be attentive to, nothing to care for, nothing to take up. If we choose to ignore what God does for us on the cross, then maybe we don't really know who God is. And if we don't know or even wrestle slightly with who God is, then are we really seeking to follow him with our whole heart? The cross is a mystery and still, it is a mystery we are called to enter into. When Jesus calls us to take up our own crosses, I don't believe he is calling us to harm ourselves or one another, but we are called to take up our cross 
in a willingness to put ourselves in the same place as Jesus, in the midst of and in solidarity with those who suffer, Jesus calls us to a ministry of attentiveness, of solidarity and compassion. As we feed the hungry with our own food, as we tend the sick and care for them with our own hands and hearts, as we clothe the poor with our own clothes, we must do so alongside and with those we serve, therefore alongside Christ. Not far off, but near to the hearts of those who are hurting and therefore nearer to the heart of God. In the practice of taking up our cross, the gospel message is this. Light in the darkness, healing, sureness, comfort, and grace through our own suffering and even beyond death. We remember that it is together in the face of our mutual humanity that we will come to realize our redemption and salvation in the shadow of the cross and thereby in the light of resurrection. Through baptism, through life with one another, through life with Jesus, who lived and died and rose again, these gifts, these promises, this hope is ours. We just need to say yes. We just need to take it up. Jesus said, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.